What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Digging In Podcast. Today we are continuing our Lessons From series as we move on to the father of all nations, the story of Abram. Go ahead right now and uh, get your materials ready to go. That is your Bible, a pen, and some paper. And go ahead and prepare yourself for one heck of a ride. While we do that, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for uh, helping us carve out some time today to really spend time learning about you. God, as we learn about you, help us to fall deeper in love with you as we read about and discuss and dig into your beautiful design for humanity. God, help us learn from these characters and help us learn more and more about your wonderful love for us. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, guys. So, Let's go ahead and uh, open up our Bible to Genesis chapter 11. So just so you know, we're not going to read this uh, first story. It's Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Vastly important story to the history um, of humanity, the history of the Bible, everything. Super important. In fact, at some point in time, I'm going to do an entire podcast on Genesis 11, 1 through 9. But for now, we're looking at the story of a man named Abram. His story starts uh, right there in 11, starting in verse 10. And the reason I say it starts here is because that's actually kind of the origin story of his family line. And if you look, it's the descendants of Shem. And if you read the story of Noah, then you remember this name Shem as being one of Noah's kids. And so we have a all-too-familiar family lineage, a genealogy list from 1110 all the way to 1127. In Abram's genealogy, we learn all about his grandparents, great-great-grandparents, and even his own father, Terah. And in 28, and starts describing who Abram is and who his family is. And this is super important for a variety of reasons. Primarily because this is the origin story of the guy that you're going to read about for the next 13 chapters. I mean, the story of Abram's life in the Old Testament in Genesis goes from Genesis 11 all the way to Genesis 25. And it covers approximately 100 years of Abram's life. And that is pretty substantial in terms of the amount of time that we have actually get to read about a single person. And because the story is super long, I'm not actually going to have you guys read the entire thing right now in this sitting. That being said, I would love it if you guys would go ahead and do this. Read 1110 all the way to the end of chapter 25. That way you can get a full scope of the ridiculous story of the beginning of the family of Abraham. The reason this is important is because just like Noah was chosen, Abram is chosen. And Abram becomes the guy. He's the start of the line of this entire family who will soon be called the nation of Israel. And although his first mention is around 11, 26, 27, somewhere in there, 
his story goes on for a much longer amount of time and there's a lot of action there's a lot of narrative i mean just to highlight a few things we've got marriage we've got miraculous birth we've got a whole bunch of sin we've got a rescued life we've got a name change in genesis 17 we've got some horrible marriage advice there's even some stuff about sacrifice in love and his lineage Guys, but the most important thing about the story of Abram is that before his name is changed to Abraham in Genesis 17, God makes a covenant with him. We just listened to the story of Noah and this beautiful covenant that was made to protect Noah's family. And now we are reading about another covenant, and this one is even larger than the covenant with Noah which seems crazy. So what I do want you to do is go ahead and pause this podcast and read for me chapters 12 and 15, Genesis 12 and Genesis 15, and then come on back with me. Awesome. Hope you guys had a really good chance to read Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 as those are the two moments of the Abrahamic covenant. That is the moments when God chose the family of Abraham, chose Abram, and then the family of Abram to become the future of the nation of Israel. Now, we live in bajillions of years. I'm actually sitting here right next to my ginormous Bible timeline that takes up almost half my wall um, here at the church office. And the crazy thing is that the story of Abram goes for all these many years, but what flows out of the story of Abram is the descendants that are so heavily mentioned all throughout the Bible. In fact, this one family line becomes an entire nation of people. And it is from here where we must really start to pay attention to the names and the lineage and make sure we're tracking a lot of this. Because in Genesis 12 and 15, what we read about is this family. What we read is that God is doing three things. He's going to make the descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. He's going to perfect a relationship between God and man through this family. And then thirdly, he's going to take this family to the promised land. Now, this is a crazy covenant because this covenant, unlike the Noah covenant, isn't just about being with them and saving their life. This is promising to be with them every step of the way and making a perfect relationship so that humans and God have a great communication together. They have a wonderful relationship together. And not only that, but he's going to take them from the junk and the terror of the world around them all the way to the promised land. So that's pretty fantastic for a lot of reasons. But I want you to hone in on Genesis 15 for a minute. Because in Genesis 15, we catch a really crazy moment. And this moment is really, really important to the entire biblical story for a variety of reasons. But let me explain the really specific one. So back in the day, this practice of covenant, it was a really important thing. When two parties would get together and make a covenant, basically what would happen is depending on the style of covenant, there would be some sort of ritual ceremony and then both parties would agree that whatever happens, if one person breaks that covenant, 
And then there is some sort of punishment that will ultimately come about for the person who broke that covenant. And so there was several types of covenants in this day and age, but this one is a really picturesque one, a really vivid imagery filled kind of covenant. Let me explain that because what you read in Genesis 15 is kind of confusing because ultimately what happens is Abram is asking the question of God, like, how do I know that you're going to not just make me the descendant of all nations, but how do I know for certain that you are going to take us to the promised land? I mean, I get it, God, that you are the God of the universe, but but like, what am I supposed to, how, how are we going to make this official? And sure enough, God says, okay, why don't you go grab some animals for me, right? And so he goes and he grabs these specific types of animals. And what happens is he brings them back and he prepares them for this ritual covenant ceremony. He cuts them in half. He makes this ridiculous alleyway where on either side of this alleyway is this split in half carcass of an animal with blood everywhere. I mean, it's just the most messy, ridiculous thing. And so... God expresses the covenant one more time, and then he walks through this alleyway, right? And the the assumption here, the idea of how this covenant works is if God breaks this covenant, then the punishment that will be dealt out to him is the same as the animals that are laying on the ground, split in half, killed, dead, gone forever. That is the punishment that will be dealt out to God if he breaks his part of the covenant. And that's crazy, right? Because it's God. So he, of course, he's not going to break his covenant that he's the one initiating. But when it becomes time for Abram to actually walk across that bloody alleyway to make his agreement to that side of the covenant, what happens? God puts him under a deep sleep. It's this crazy, crazy moment, right? Where God knocks out Abram. And you're thinking, wait a second, this is this is the part where Abram walks across the alleyway. And, and then he's asleep now. So what happens? Well, God, in this beautiful image of like a this flaming oven and the flaming fire thing uh, right there, almost through the end of chapter 15, God walks through the alleyway and then he walks back through it, basically saying, no matter what, Abram. Even when I break, if I were to break the covenant, I would take this punishment. But guess what? The second part of this is that even if you break the covenant, and better yet, even when you break the covenant, when you decide that you don't want a perfect relationship with me, when you decide to sin and not follow me, I will take the punishment for you. Guys, this is a huge moment. Because God of the universe just said, if you break the covenant, I'll die. I'll be the one who takes your punishment, even though you're the one sinning. Now, the truth of the matter is, this is huge. This is a massive moment because although the punishment doesn't end up playing out until much later in the in the story of Jesus and his death, what we're reading right here in Genesis 15 is the origin story that if humans continue to sin, even though they're in a perfect covenant with God, God will take the punishment because he loves them. Whew. Beautiful, right? So that's Genesis 12 and 15. That's only the start of the story, guys. That's like the, literally the start of the story of Abram. Because in 17, his name changes to Abraham. God says, you are my covenant child. 
You are the one in whom my covenant is being made. Therefore, you will no longer be called by your first name, Abram, but you'll be called by the name that I give you because you're in covenant with me, the creator of the universe. I will now call you Abraham. Now, this is wild because this was actually the first name change that God gives to anyone in the entire Bible. And now what we know for sure is that there are several people who come after Abraham who actually have their name changed by God as well. So those should definitely be kind of setting off some some bells and some buzzers in our head whenever we read that. But again, that happens in, in Genesis 17. What we read in Genesis 22 is this really crazy story because if you remember correctly from reading so far, you will know that Abram, Abraham's wife is, is barren. She's not able to have kids. And they're like a hundred years old at this time. And then all of a sudden God opens up her womb and they're able to have a kid, a miraculous birth. And of course, the birth is so significant for a variety of reasons. But one of the most specific reasons is that what happens in chapter 22. If you turn over to chapter 22, or if you remember chapter 22, if you've already read it, we have this crazy moment where God speaks to Abraham and tells him to go now and kill your son, sacrifice your son on the mountain to me. The miraculous son that I gave you, go sacrifice him now. And everyone, all the readers are like, wait, what? Hold on. (laughs) You just gave him the son and now you want him to kill him? That seems, that seems crazy, right? But Abraham, being who he is, the father of all nations, the most faithful one so far, goes up to the mountain and prepares to sacrifice his son for the Lord. But what happens next? Well, God is not a God of child sacrifice. That's not, that was what the other religions of that day, the Canaanites, the people of Genesis 11, 1 through 9, the, the other cultures around the world at that time were sacrificing children. And so it wouldn't have been too uncommon for Abram to maybe potentially expect that his God would do this. But what happens is that as that knife is up in the air, God says, wait, 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 wait. Don't don't do this. Thank you for being faithful. But no, I don't want you to do that. Instead, take a ram and sacrifice that ram instead. Don't kill your son. And you're like, what kind of story did I just read? Because only a couple chapters later do we read about the end of Abram's life, Abraham's life, right? In chapter 25 is is the complete death. And then the story picks up with Isaac, his son who was almost sacrificed. We read this story and we read so much. Like if you remember back to those highlights I said a few minutes ago, all of the elements of the narrative story that goes into this, they're crazy. His story is so wild. It's the most human story so far because up until this point, we haven't spent that many chapters on anyone. So we haven't really had a chance to see any character development. But here in this moment, we are reading about Abraham the father of all nations, and his entire origin story upbringing all the way to his death. And it is beautiful. It's so cool to read such a human story. And a human story that is ultimately ending in total and complete faithfulness. How great is that? So what are the lessons that we can possibly learn from the story of Abraham? Well, the way I see it is exactly the way that I think we're gonna really start seeing all throughout these biblical characters. In fact, this whole entire series is gonna teach us all kinds of little lessons here and there, but the overarching lessons will probably stay the same. That's because Genesis 
to Revelation is one beautiful story. One beautiful story. And the lessons of that story are continually the same. And so as we look at one of the most important biblical characters in the entire biblical story, the lessons that we can learn from him are really quite simple. First and foremost, the lessons are not about him. It's about God, the covenant God, right? Who just even in this very moment, Genesis 12 tells Abram that he's going to choose him and his family. And then what do we read in chapters 13 and 14? We read about the sin of Abram, the stupid decisions of Abram. And God knew that those stupid decisions were going to happen, and yet he still chooses to be completely committed to Abram and his family. And then all throughout Abraham's life, and all throughout the life of all of his descendants, there is sin running in every direction, and God stays covenantally committed. He's very serious about his word. So he stays committed to his children saying, I told you it would make your generation so numerous, as numerous as the stars in the sky. I told you that I would perfect my relationship with you and I told you that I would bring you to the promised land. I'm going to. It may not be your exact timeline, but it's going to happen. He's true to his word. And ultimately, at the end of the book of Joshua, we read that that covenant is completely fulfilled. Amazing, absolutely beautiful. Then we look at the story of Abraham to see what kind of lessons we can learn from him. With sin all over and God being perfectly good and true at all times, the lesson we can even learn from Abraham is that of faithfulness. Faithfulness. Now, his story is one of total humanity, right? He makes mistake after mistake after mistake, just like me, just like you. We all make mistakes. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. And it could happen 3,000 times in one day or 3,000 times in an hour. There's no telling, right? But the problem is we all do it. We all mess up just like Abraham did. And yet there were moments of such key and important faithfulness that he was able to lead not just his family, but ultimately the nation of Israel into a position in which they would try their best to rely on God. So faithful that he was willing to sacrifice his miraculously given son just because God told him to. And God didn't tell him to because he was just playing some sort of sick game or making some sort of joke. This was a total commitment to show and prove to all of us today that Abraham, the father of all nations, was faithful and he responded to God in faithfulness. And that is so crucial. And guys, the last little lesson that we can learn is that his story is connected to everyone before and everyone after. As I sit here and look at my biblical timeline, I am convicted of the truth that from Adam and Eve, all the way to Jesus, all the way through us, all the way to the last moments, all the way in the book of Revelation, that the story is connected. I hope that I can help draw out some of these connecting points, but don't forget that those really boring long sections of lineage and names and of people you may never read a story about, those are the biblical authors inspired by God connecting the story for you to see that God is true to his word And that all the way back in Genesis 3.15, there is the story of the one who will crush the head of the serpent. The one who will obliterate Satan's sin and death. And that this whole storyline is connected 
to the snake-crushing Messiah who will one day save Israel and the whole world. That's the beauty. That is the story of Abraham. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Lessons From series. Join us next time as we talk about the miraculous son of the father of all nations. That is the story of Isaac.